What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Welcome to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Um, As usual, Shane Kohler here. Uh, Excited to dive in with you today. And and we have a really great topic that I'm really uh, looking forward to speaking into. The topic for today is that we attract and are attracted to our greatest opportunities for healing. And I think this is such a you know, really, it's it's a it's a magical aspect of of human experience of the universe, and it's it's really um it's really a gift when we're able to see it that way. But there are some definite pitfalls that we run into with attraction and and being attracted to and and all of that kind of stuff that really has us not necessarily see it for what it is. And so, my intention for today's episode is really to clarify you know, why we're attracted to the people we're attracted to, why we, um, why we attract those people into us or, or why we attract the people that we do attract. And, you know, sometimes it seems random. Sometimes it seems crazy. Sometimes it seems like, oh my God, there was this incredibly toxic person. Like, how did I attract them into my life? You know, we think like, what's going on with me that I would attract someone like that and all this kind of stuff. So I really want to clarify this conversation today because when you understand what you're attracted to and also what you attract and why it's happening that way and what it's all for, it is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And it's actually your fastest path to healing, to growth, to the kind of life and love that you really want to experience when you learn how to work with it. And when you don't know how to work with it, it becomes a major, major obstacle. And so a lot of us, uh, whether you're with me live today or whether you're joining into the podcast, but you could probably check in, like a lot of us have experienced chasing after the same kinds of people over and over and over again, getting the same kinds of unpleasant results over and over and over again, and wondering like, why the hell am I attracted to these people? Or why the hell am I attracting these people into my life when it constantly and consistently, excuse me, gives me nothing that I want? And so I want to demystify that a little bit today and and really explore like what is that all about and why does it show up that way? And I remember a conversation with my therapist. I was talking um, to him. This was was quite a a while ago, but um, I was talking to him about some things that were going on with me and my wife and some challenges I was having. I don't even think they were major challenges, just insecurities or fears or frustrations. And I can't even remember specifically what I was talking about. But I was talking about the dynamic between us, and um, I've, I've probably shared this on the podcast many times, is that I've always tended towards more of an anxious attachment style, having grown up with a mother who loved me very much and, and was very 
kind and loving and compassionate, but also very unavailable because she was 19 years old and she was working two jobs and she was a full-time college student. And she would sometimes drop me off at the college dorm with her friends and I would just have to wait for her to come back. And I remember as a child experiencing like this constant desire to want to be with my mom and feeling like she was never really available. When she was, it was amazing. I had an amazing mother. But when she wasn't available, there was this constant wanting of her. And so as an adult, that, that learned behavior that I learned in childhood translates to more of an anxious attachment style, more of a always wanting more type attachment style. Whereas my wife is uh, kind of the opposite where, you know, when her mother was not necessarily kind and warm and loving the way my mother was, you know, she would try to she would try to crawl up in her mother's lap and, and get a, get some love and her mother would push her away and say, leave me alone, right? So that, that uh, develops more as a, an avoidant attachment style where it's like, okay, I'm not gonna reach out for love. I'm not gonna try to get close. I'm gonna keep myself over here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep some distance, keep some space and protect myself because when I reach out for love, it hurts. And so my wife developed more of that. And what I was talking to my therapist about was how some of these dynamics were showing up in our relationship and how, you know, I might've wanted more from her and she might've been a little reluctant or resistant or not able to, to be with me in the way I wanted her to. And again, I don't remember the exact details, but I remember talking about this dynamic with my therapist and my therapist pointed this out to me. And it probably wasn't the first time I've heard it. I mean, I've heard this before, but it really landed for me when he said it that day. And what he said is that we often attract and are attracted to the people that are going to give us the opportunities to heal the things that need to be healed within us. So where my wife, for example, maybe needed to heal some of her avoidance stuff, I maybe needed to heal some of my anxious stuff. Well, now here we are having created a relationship where we constantly are confronted with this stuff, right? Where constantly these feelings and these, you know, childhood emotions and things are the, the dynamics of our relationship activate those. So what it does is it like flushes it up from the unconscious into the conscious. It brings it up in a way where we can actually see it. We can recognize it. We can work with it. We can deal with it. And as we do that, we grow closer in our relationship. We understand each other better. We're able to meet each other's needs better. And also, and also we, we heal some of that insecurity, right? Maybe I don't have to be so anxious. Maybe she doesn't have to be so avoidant. And the more we learn that the relationship is safe and the more we meet each other with these patterns within the safety of our relationship, the more we start to understand that, okay, these patterns don't have to be so strongly ingrained. These patterns don't have to be so strongly held and we can grow into a more secure place in that way. And so this is how it's shown up in you know a general way with myself and my wife. And I, I wanna talk about uh, some of the ways that I've seen it show up with my clients, some of the ways that I've seen it show up in, in many different aspects of life, because the truth is, is it's not just in your marriage or in your long-term partnership that this is happening, but this is actually happening all the time. It's actually happening every relationship, every interaction, every experience. You are creating in your life opportunities to heal the stuff that you need to heal. And you are actually drawn to the people, places, and things that are going to flush that stuff up and allow it to heal. So just beginning with that idea, 
And I know some of you might look back at past relationships, or maybe you were involved with someone who had strong narcissistic tendencies, or maybe you were involved with someone who just walked all over you, or maybe you've been in some really toxic dynamics. And you're wondering like, how was that an opportunity for healing? Like, I don't feel like anything healed in me. I just feel like it hurt. (laughs) I just feel like it damaged me, right? So how, where is the opportunity for healing in that? And what I want to say is that your we all kind of live with two beings inside of us with we all kind of have two consciousnesses and and one one is a very benevolent consciousness it's a very trusting consciousness it it sees how everything's connected it sees how everything has meaning it it sees the the benefit of every experience versus the the you know, not so beneficial aspects of every experience, right? There, there's a part of us, there's a certain consciousness that exists within all of us that sees life through that perspective. And then there's also the egoic consciousness, which is the survival consciousness. This is, you know, something that in early life and early childhood, we actually needed our ego. It, it was the ego was the, the ego was the thing that allowed us to survive our childhood. And it's, it's important to really understand that because if you, if you can understand how the ego started, you can also understand how it operates and why it does the crazy things it does as an adult. Because the same, the same aspects of the ego that protected me in childhood, that kept me safe, that allowed me to survive my environment, whether it was a toxic home environment, whether it was being bullied at school, whether it was not being able to fit in with the other kids or whatever it might have been. But the same aspects of myself that cause me trouble in my adult life are the parts of myself that protected me in childhood, right? If, if I learned maybe I would go to school and I didn't know how to fit in, or maybe I, w- I would get bullied, or maybe I would get made fun of, and I needed to survive that environment, so my ego would tell me to maybe hold back or don't say those things, or don't, don't do those things, or don't put yourself out there in a way that's going to get you noticed because then you're going to get bullied. Right? So if, if these were my experience and I learned to hold back and I learned to hide and I learned to not speak my mind and I learned to not reveal myself, well, that kept me safe when I was younger. Now, as an adult, if I'm still holding back, if I'm still hiding, if I'm still not using my voice, if I'm still not speaking my mind, if I'm still not expressing myself or putting myself out there, now I'm feeling isolated in life. I've actually become a doormat in relationships for people to walk all over me and on and on and on. So what are what we have the opportunity to do as adults and in our adult relationships is to re-experience some of the dynamics that we experienced in childhood, but now we're not powerless anymore the way we were when we were children. Now we don't need to protect ourselves the way we needed to when we were children. Now we don't need to hold ourselves back the way maybe we needed to when we were children. And so our our adult relationships are really an opportunity to re-experience these themes and make different choices around them. So rather than letting the ego dominate every aspect of our relationships like it did when we were children and like it has throughout a lot of our life, as responsible adults, we can experience these dynamics and we can try to make a new choice about them.
So I want to share an example here, something I was thinking about as I was preparing for today's topic. And there was a, a client of mine that I worked with for a few months and um, amazing woman, brilliant woman, talented woman. I mean, you know, she had so many amazing things going for her. And she had, she had gotten involved with uh, someone that was very, very traumatic for her. And basically, uh, long story short, this guy came into her life. He, uh, he was, I mean, I guess we could say he was probably a narcissist or, or something to that effect. But he basically, you know, first he love bombed her, came on very strong, you know, promising the world, I want to marry you, I want to spend my life with you. Um, you, you know, just came on very strong, lots of big promises, talking about the future, talking about all these things. And, you know, at first she was a little like kind of taken aback by it, but she was like, well, let me give him a chance. And as she gave him a chance and, and this relationship started to unfold and she started to become convinced that, that, you know, he meant what he was saying and that he was serious about it. And it got to the point where within a few months he had moved into her house and then, you know, maybe give it a couple months and all of a sudden he's like, I don't love you. I never loved you. I never wanted this and I, I don't want this anymore and, and I, I need to leave and I need to get away and maybe I'll call you again one day, but I can't talk right now and basically just abruptly cut it all off and disappeared. And as you can imagine, I mean, she was devastated by this as anybody would be. And... What I want to speak into here, because many of you have been through similar experiences. Some of you might be going through something similar right now. And the question really becomes, if I go through something like this, if I go through a, a painful experience or you know, a, an experience that really makes me feel worthless or really makes me feel like I don't matter or really makes me feel like I'm not lovable or, or when I open my heart up to someone and I'm vulnerable with them and I let them into my life and then they basically just rip my heart out and stomp on it. We've got to really be able to contextualize this experience and understand what is it for? What is it about? Because if I can't understand what it was for, and what it was about. And if I can't give this experience some positive meaning in my life, then what's going to happen, and this is when, when she came to me, this is what she was really struggling with, was the fact that, you know, I, I've, I've had challenges in relationships throughout my whole life. Relationships have always been a pain point. They've always been difficult. You know, I finally got to a place where I felt like I was ready to open up, where I was ready to let someone in. And then this is what happens. And now she's going like, I don't feel like I can ever let anyone in ever again. I don't feel like I can ever open myself up over again. Like, I feel like I learned to not do that. And so if we can't contextualize these experiences in a meaningful way, if we can't understand them in a way that allows us to get some value from them, that allows us to, to move forward in our life in a strong and empowered way, then what those experiences are going to do is they're going to add bricks to the proverbial wall that we have around us. They're going to close us off more. They're going to shut us down more. They're going to make us be more afraid, more resistant, more trying to be in control. And all of the, all of the dynamics that prevent us from finding love and, and keep us in negative cycles where, well, it's going to exacerbate those dynamics. So 
in an, in an instance like this, and I'll just stick with this example because it's a, it's a potent one. And again, I'm sure many of you have been through similar things. Maybe some of you are going through something like this right now. And, you know, first thing I want to say is if that's you, if you're going through that, I, I just want to say like lots of love and lots of compassion to what you're going through. And for anyone who is going through something like that, like I, I want you to, if, if we're going to start to contextualize this in a powerful way, I want you to just start to, to open up to the possibility that maybe this is one of the most important experiences of your life. And maybe it's not that something went wrong here. Now I know, and, and even just to sit with that for a moment, like how could I possibly say that nothing went wrong here? Well, if you look at the isolated experience, you know, if, if you look at it and we could just say on an ego level, right? The ego just wants everything to feel good all the time, but to never be challenged and, and to just get its way and get what it wants. So if we look at it from an ego level, the ego says, I wanted love. I was trying to find love. I opened my heart. I was, I was, you know, like I, I was vulnerable. I was, I was doing all this stuff. I, I was doing everything right on my end. And then this asshole comes into my life and destroys me. And all I was trying to do was be loving. And, you know, when viewed through the ego, all we can see is that I did everything right and they did everything wrong and I was the victim and they were the victimizer. And, and that's basically where the ego stops. Now, if you think about just that mentality, we could call it a victim mentality, right? The, the victim mentality, and, and I want to say victim mentality is not about what happened because I, I, I want to say I fully, fully get it. Many of you have been through horrible things. Maybe as children, you went through horrible things. Maybe as adults, you've been through horrible things. Maybe you've been violated. You've been assaulted. You, you've had terrible, terrible things happen. And if you, if you have terrible things happen in your life, that, that's one level where there's a certain amount of trauma, there's a certain amount of pain, there's a certain amount of protectiveness that you're going to build up around that, that you're going to try to protect yourself from things. And that's just, that's just a normal human response when we go through trauma in life. But then if you take on a victim mentality, that's going to color the world in a completely different way. And so the victim mentality says, I am a victim. I am vulnerable. I am easily hurt. I can't trust anyone. I, like I can't trust people. People are out to get me. People are out to hurt me. People are out to take advantage of me. I've got to keep my guard up. And so when you go through trauma in life and you develop a, a certain natural reaction to it, which is normal, but then on top of that, you take on a victim mentality that makes you fearful, that makes you suspicious, that makes you doubtful, that makes you start to believe that nothing good could even happen anyway. This starts to make you question everyone's intentions, starts to make you think that everyone's out to get you or that the world is a dangerous place and that, you know, everyone in the world is bad. And, you know, all, like this is what the victim mentality creates. And so living within that, you're only going to create more of the same. 
You're only going to build up more of those walls, more of those defenses, more of those protections, more of those manipulations, more of those control structures. And you're going to actually get as a result of that more of what you don't want. And so going back to the example I shared about this guy who love bombed her and then moved into her house and then blindsided her and disappeared and said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Right. Pretty traumatic event that happened. So let's say something like this maybe happened to one of you or, or, or maybe you could fill in the blank with your own experience, something that happened. But how do we contextualize this in a powerful way? And a question, one of my favorite teachers, uh, his name is Bashar, and he, uh, he often will ask people this question when they come to him. And I, I've, it's one of the most powerful questions I have ever heard in my life. It's something I frequently ask my clients. And it really has the ability to contextualize any experience in a powerful way. And so the question is this. He says, what is it that you needed to learn in that way that you couldn't have learned in any other way? What is it you needed to learn in that way that you couldn't have learned in any other way? Now, this is a big conversation, I know, and especially if you look at some of the painful experiences of your life and ask yourself, what did I need to learn in that way that I couldn't have learned in any other way? And this is when you've got to really open your mind to a broader perspective of life. You've got to open your awareness and your consciousness to a broader perspective of how things are and how things work. And you've got to get out of the duality of good, bad, right, or wrong. Because if you think about it like this, what if there was nothing good and nothing bad? And I know maybe some of you have heard that before and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no good, no bad. But really, really think about that. What if you didn't characterize any event in your life as a good event or a bad event, as a positive event or a negative event? What if you looked back at your life and you saw every single thing that happened as a as an opportunity for healing and for growth some of them were traumatic some some of them were very challenging some of them were very hurtful some of them questioned like some of them made you question even your like your worthiness your value do i even matter Right, so, so I guess some of them have been very challenging. Some of them have been very traumatic. Some of them have been awful. But what if even the most awful thing you've ever been through was, came into your life for a positive purpose? Came into your life for the purpose of healing, for the purpose of bringing up something that you could recognize in yourself, that you could strengthen within yourself. So if we take this example of this woman that I was sharing about one of my clients and the thing that she went through with this guy and, you know, how could we possibly contextualize that in an empowered way or in a positive way, right? This horrible thing that she went through, how could we contextualize that in, an, in a positive or powerful way? Well, maybe... And, and I mean, I don't want to say what the answer was for her, but for anyone who was in that kind of experience, like, let's just, let's just talk about some possibilities here. Like maybe she really needed to learn 
to speak her truth. You know, maybe like here's this here's this guy who's coming on very strong, who's pushing his way into her life, who's wanting to move into her house, who's like, you know, breaking some boundaries that she didn't necessarily feel comfortable with. But there's also some fear of like, I've never felt this way about someone. I've never had someone want me this much. I've never had someone show me this much attention. I've never had someone be so attentive or caring or on and on and on, right? And so she's now caught in this place of, I want this relationship. I want this attention. I want this validation. I want this love. And here's this person who wants these things from me. And I feel like I need to give them these things or I'm going to lose this attention and this validation and this love. And maybe, just maybe, and I'm not saying this was the lesson for her, but it could have been. Maybe she needed to experience the negative consequences of making those kinds of compromises so she could really understand how important it is to create a boundary when you feel that you need one. When someone's moving a little too fast for you, to stop them and say, whoa, 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 hold on. I I like you, I'm enjoying this, but this is moving way too fast for me. And if you wanna be with me, we're gonna need to slow it down a little bit. And maybe if the lesson had come to her in any way that hurt less than that, that was a little bit easier for her to handle, maybe, just maybe, she wouldn't have really gotten it. But because she experienced this thing in this way, she got it. So I want you to just like take that example and consider that for a moment. And, and consider in all of the experiences that you've been through, good, bad, in between, you know, whether you call them positive, negative, whatever. But consider that everything you've ever been through was there for the purpose of your healing. And that when you are attracted to somebody, that when you see someone and you go, wow, there's something about that person that I'm attracted to. There's something about that person that I want more of. There's something that that experience is actually uh, your, your highest consciousness telling you that there's a lesson here telling you that there is something to be experienced here. But now I want to talk about another level of that because a lot of us are attracted to things that aren't necessarily healthy for us, right? A lot of us actively seek out people, places, and things that hurt us, that go against our best interest. So how are we attracted to things that are not good for us and yet that is helpful for us, right? I know this might sound a little confusing, so I want you to think about it like this. Let's say, let's say there's some, I'll, I'll speak to the ladies here. I know we got a lot of ladies on here today. So I'll speak to some of the ladies, ladies who are interested in dating men. And let's say that there's some guy that maybe you met at a party or a friend's house or at a bar or whatever, and you're really, really attracted to this guy. And you, you're like, there's, there's something about this guy that I just, I just need. I, I, I want to get to know him. I want to spend time with him. And, and let's say he's a pretty toxic dude. You don't know that yet because you're just, you just spotted him. You're just experiencing an attraction. 
But let's say what you're going to find out as you get to know him is that he's a really toxic guy. Now, what's happening there is there's an energetic signature that you're picking up on from him. It's a vibe that you feel. And yeah, part of it might be the way he looks. Maybe he has a certain style or a certain look that's reflective of things that you were exposed to when you were a child or as a teenager and, and you decided I'm really attracted to that. And even that could be part of your trauma. But what's happening is when you see someone and you go, oh my God, I'm attracted to them. Oh my God, like this person is so hot. When you see someone, what's actually happening there is there's like a, a culmination of all your past experience of the energies that you experienced when you were young. Maybe the, the certain vibes that your parents held or other people that you were around. Or, or maybe it's, it's certain vibes that you experienced in high school when you were dating. But there's a certain energetic signature that you feel in this person and, and there, there's something familiar about it. Something that you've maybe thought, I've always wanted to feel more of that. I've always wanted to be closer to that. I've always wanted to experience that. But there's something that is drawing you in about this person. And 99% of the time, it's based on the past, right? So it's not based on, you know, oh, my ideal partner, what would they really be like? You know, a lot of people say, you know, Shane, I sit down and I make my list of everything my ideal partner would be like, but then when I go out in the world, I'm not attracted to that person. I'm attracted to people who have different characteristics than that. Well, why is that? Well, it's because, yeah, you can consciously think about what would my ideal partner be like, and you can make that list and you can write it down. But if your vibrational state is still strongly attracted to something from your past, then that's what your body is going to respond to. That's what you're going to feel that strong attraction to. And so when you see that person, you go, oh my God, I'm so attracted to them. What's happening is your past is playing itself out again. There's something in the vibration of that person, in the way they look, in the way they make you feel, in the things they say that triggers a past experience in you and makes you crave more of what's familiar. This is your opportunity for healing. So I say, go, going back to the example, you see some guy in the bar and you're like, oh my God, I would love to be with a guy like that. And then you get to know him and you start talking to him and you start experiencing a relationship with him. And you start to realize that this guy has some toxic patterns. You know, maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't really make me important. Maybe he only keeps me around as like a last minute option, or maybe he is, you know, fooling around with other women or whatever he might be doing. But you start to feel some things that there's something really toxic about this guy. But what happens at that point is your ego starts to get hooked into the toxicity. Your ego starts to want more of that familiar feeling. And just simply put, a lot of us grew up in toxic environments. A lot of us, our first relationships were very toxic. A lot of us, when we were younger, our friendships and our you know high school and younger relationships had, had a lot of toxic dynamics in them. The television and the movies we watched uh, showed us like so many toxic dynamics. And we started to really find those dynamics very familiar. We started to find like something in us gets excited by the drama. 
And so when you get involved with this person who exhibits that toxic behavior, what's, what's going to happen is, is your ego is going to get hooked into that and your ego is going to want more of it. And this is when we start trying to prove ourselves to the person. We start going, oh, well, if I just be the best person ever, if I just do this, if I do that, maybe I, I try to connect with them more, or maybe I try to not connect with them so much. I try to play it cool. I try to act like it doesn't matter. Like I'm okay with something casual or whatever it might be. But our ego gets hooked into that. And that's when we start trying to prove ourselves to that person. We start compromising the things that matter to us to get that person's attention or approval and so on and so on. It is so important for you to find yourself in situations where you are experiencing these familiar dynamics, where you are noticing these automatic reactions that come up, this need to prove yourself, this need to get this person's validation or attention, this inability to walk away, this inability to let them go, right? It's so important that you find yourself in situations where these historic reactions are being activated because that is your opportunity to work through them. And so what I want to say is like, it's no accident that when you see that person and you go, oh my God, I'm so attracted to them and they turn out to be a toxic person or have toxic behaviors or not have the potential for the kind of relationship you want to have. It's, it's so, it's, it's not an accident that you are attracted to that person because that is the person who is offering you the opportunity to heal. What they are really offering you is the opportunity to get engaged in a relationship with them and to feel those dynamics again, to feel those old familiar feelings of I'm not important, I don't matter, I'm not wanted, I'm not lovable, I'm not worthy. And then within that experience, to make a new choice about it. So when that person doesn't respond to your messages for days and your old self would have been like, it's okay, I'm just going to act cool about it. I'm going to act like it doesn't get to me. I'm going to act like it doesn't matter. Now you have the opportunity because you're entering it from a different level of consciousness. Now you have the opportunity to respond to it differently. And instead of just playing it cool, like it doesn't get to you, like it doesn't matter. You say to the person, listen, you know, I, there are a lot of things I'm enjoying about our connection there. Are, I would definitely like to see where it goes. I would definitely, you know, like this to continue, but this not texting me back for three days just doesn't work for me. And if you want to keep dating, if you want to keep seeing each other, I'm going to request that you at least get back to me on the same day. Now you are approaching an old familiar situation in a new way. And now you are healing. And what you're actually doing in that moment, in that moment that you make a new decision is you are starting to teach yourself on a fundamental level that this is not what you want. That I don't want someone who doesn't text me back for four days. I just, I don't want that. You're actually in the alive experience of it, not like a concept, not like a thought, not like I want someone who's consistent, like I write it down on a list, but like I'm actually alive in the moment, experiencing it, having it be real for me. 
And rather than getting thrown into my historic reactions of let me play it cool because I don't want to upset them and then they lose interest in me. No, fuck that. I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to tell them how I feel. And if they don't want to meet me in the middle with the kind of relationship I want, then they can get out of my life. Because I deserve someone who at least wants to respond to me on the same day. Just something basic, something simple. I deserve that. And it's not like a concept like I deserve it. It's actually real, alive for me in the moment. I fucking deserve this. And I'm choosing it for myself in real life, in a real relationship with a real human being. And you need that experience to heal. You don't heal just by thinking about it. And so what we really need to do here is don't try to be attracted to someone you're not attracted to, right? I know because I get this question all the time. People are like, you know, I made my list and I even met a guy who has all the qualities and he's consistent and he's kind and he's supportive and he's available and he makes me a priority and I'm just not interested in him. I just don't feel that way for him. Well, you can't force yourself to feel something you don't feel. You can't force your body to get turned on by something that doesn't turn you on. That's just not the way life works. But here's what you can do. You can go seek out those familiar things that you are attracted to. And you can be open to the lessons that they offer. And within those old experiences, you can approach them from a new level of consciousness and you can start to feel those push-pull dynamics and say, you know what? This fucking sucks. I don't want this. I don't want to have to work this hard for the person I'm dating to give me some attention. I don't want to constantly feel like I'm not important to them and constantly having to try to, you know, find a way to be important to them. Like, I don't, I just want to be important to the person I'm with. And by actually learning these lessons in a real experiential way, in a way that it's actually alive inside of your body, in a way that it's like, you know, again, not a concept, not an idea, but a real experience you will actually start to be repulsed by that behavior over time. You will actually, like when, when somebody starts playing those kinds of games with you, you'll just start to feel in your body like, oh, this is disgusting. This sucks. I don't like it at all. This doesn't turn me on at all. In fact, I'm kind of starting to see that this guy's a fucking loser. And I used to think, oh my God, he's so great. Not, you know what? He's, he's really just a fucking loser. And here I am being so obsessed with him because he makes me feel familiar feelings that I felt throughout my life. And when I was unconscious about that, I just got hooked in. But now that I'm conscious of it, now that I'm aware of it, I can really experience how much that all sucks. And now, and now, maybe the next time that person comes around who's consistent, who's available, who makes me a priority, who responds to texts in a reasonable amount of time, who does thoughtful things, maybe the next time that person comes around, I'll be a little more attracted to them because I've actually healed this stuff 
in a real way. So what I really want everyone to get here is that you don't need to force yourself to like the healthy person. Like who you like. Actually, I want to say this, trust who you're attracted to. But don't make the mistake of thinking that just because you're attracted to someone, they're the right person for you. You see, this is this is the really the really shallow view of, of dating and relationships is that just because I'm attracted to someone and just because I like them means that we should be together and we should have a healthy relationship. No, it's not the way it works. I mean, you know that. If you look at your past experience, you know that that's not the way it works. How many people have you been attracted to and they weren't the one for you? And they weren't even necessarily a good person to be with at all. So you can trust who you're attracted to in that engaging with that person and with that relationship is going to illuminate something. It's going to bring forth an opportunity for you to heal something within yourself. But don't make the mistake of thinking that just because you're attracted to someone means that you should be together. No, maybe it means you have some work to do together. Maybe it means you have some things to learn from that person. Maybe it means you're going to put yourself in an environment where you feel absolutely fucking worthless. And then within that experience, you're going to choose to be worthy. And once you make that choice for yourself, that can't be undone. From that moment in your life forward, you will feel more worthy than you ever have before. Not to say it's going to be perfect, but it will be a significant step in the right direction. And maybe there are a few more, right? Maybe it's not just Maybe it's not just the, the one time you do it. Maybe you do it two, three, four, five times. I mean, and, and all of you have heard me share my stories on here and, and I've talked about my past experience and relationships and, and the kinds of things I went through and, and what I learned from these things. And this is the journey, right? So trust who you're attracted to and be willing to learn those lessons. Be willing to explore those relationships but don't lose your consciousness about it. And you see, this is the pitfall. And, and I want everyone to get this because this is what happens. Is that person that maybe you're attracted to, maybe they're not the person for you, maybe they're not the best fit, maybe they're not the healthiest relationship, but you're drawn to them for some reason. They, they reflect something about your past that draws you in. And then as soon as you get hooked by them, you lose your consciousness and everything becomes about keeping this person. But that was never what the relationship was for. You were never meant to keep them. They weren't to be kept. They were there to come into your life to show you what you needed to heal within yourself. And by engaging with them, by having that revealed, right? So maybe, maybe uh, you know, in the past, uh, 
if I was on a first or second date with someone and I really liked them and they were like pushing to get me into bed, I would just go with it because I wanted them to like me. And so maybe I see myself in a similar dynamic now where I've been on, I've been on a couple dates with someone and, and maybe, maybe I'm not ready to go there with them. Or maybe, maybe I even feel like I want to, but on some level, I'm just aware that like, you know, I don't really feel like, I don't really feel like we're there yet in this relationship. Doesn't mean I'm not turned on by them. Doesn't mean I'm not attracted to them. Doesn't mean I don't want to on some level, but I also just have a, a certain consciousness and a certain awareness that I don't think we're there yet in this relationship. I don't think that, you know, is the, the most logical next step for us. I feel like that would be jumping ahead a little bit for us. But I see they're pushing it. And now I get afraid that, well, you know, if I tell them no, maybe they're just going to stop talking to me altogether. Maybe they're going to think I'm a prude or maybe they're going to whatever, right? And so in that moment, my opportunity there is to say to this person, listen, I really like you. And, and if we keep dating each other, like we're definitely going to get there. And, you know, to a degree, I'm even excited about getting there together. But I really don't think we're there yet. And I want to go there with you when I feel very confident that that, that is the, the natural next step for us. And I don't feel that we're there yet. And with the recognition that if this person cannot respect that and honor that, then they're not the one for me. And the willingness to let them go. Because I'm not so hooked into, I like them, we've been on two dates now, now I'm, like, we're, We've been on two dates and, and now I'm hooked and now I want you. So now I'm just going to do anything to make you happy. Like, no, like, yeah, we've been on a couple dates and I'm feeling good about this and I like you and maybe I'm even a little hooked, but I'm still going to honor myself first. And the moment you make that decision, I'm not saying they're a good person for you or a bad person for you. I'm saying you don't know. And what your ego is going to want to do is your ego is going to want to say, oh my God, they're the one. Do everything you can to keep them because they're obviously the one. You've never, you've never met someone like this. You've never liked someone this much. You've never felt this way about someone. You can't lose this. You can't let this go. Hold on at all costs. Do anything you have to do to keep them around. Right? That's the ego mentality. That's the survival mentality. And in this moment, I have the opportunity to choose something different. No, you know what? I have the opportunity to really honor myself here and honor my truth. And if this person is not going to honor that as well, then I've just revealed something about their character. And I've revealed something about them that doesn't really work for me in this relationship. And the moment you do that, I really want everyone to get this. The moment you do that, you actually level up. And, and say, say this person does leave. Say, say you tell them that you're not willing to sleep with them on a first or second date. And they're like, all right, see you later. You're clearly a prude, not interested. And they disappear. 
Well, I'm going to tell you what. Having done that, having really made that decision for yourself in a powerful way, having held your ground, having honored that, having honored yourself in that way, you have leveled up and you will not be attracted to those same things the next time around. Because you've learned on a fundamental level, again, like it's so important to, to, to distinguish the experience of it, but, uh, distinguish it from the concept of it. Right, the concept is an idea. Like, yeah, I should be with someone who respects me. I should be with someone who honors me. The experience of it is the reality of I am choosing, I am requiring to be respected and be honored in this relationship. And if this person can't do that, I want them out of my life. I don't give a fuck how much I like them. I don't care if I'm dreaming about them, if I wake up in the morning, if I'm, if I'm having fantasies about our life together. I don't care. I don't care how much I like them. If they can't meet me on that level where we're both going to honor and respect, I want them out of my life. And I'll deal with whatever pain or sorrow I have when they leave. I will deal with that. And the moment you make that choice for yourself, you level up in your life. You level up into a whole new paradigm of life. And you'll never be attracted to those same things again. Now, I'm not saying the next person is going to be your person. There might be more things to learn. There might be more lessons. There might be more opportunities for healing. You know, I sure as hell had a bunch of them. Okay. So, so like, I'm not saying that there aren't going to be more. I'm not saying that as soon as you make a powerful decision like that, you're done. And now you're going to find your person. No, you've got to go on the journey and you've got to hit every step on the journey. But this is what I'll say is that when you get involved with people and time and time again, your ego takes over and you go into that survival response. And for the more anxious people, the survival response is going to be like, cling them at all costs, diminish my worth, diminish my value, whatever I got to do just to hang on to them. That's the anxious response for the more avoidant people. It's going to be like, I keep it cool. I keep it distant. Like nothing bothers me. Like nothing gets to me. I'm not vulnerable. I don't let them see me sweat, right? I, I keep them at an arm's length. I don't ever let them get close enough to hurt me, right? Now, those are different kinds of lessons, right? Those lessons are about like actually sharing vulnerably, about being authentic about what you feel, about owning your feelings, about being honest about it, right? Like so that those are different lessons, and some of us might be more on the anxious side of the spectrum. Some of us might be more on the avoidant side of the spectrum. But when you get involved with someone and you honor those lessons, you grow. And when your ego takes over and you fall into your old patterns, whether it's clinging, whether it's avoiding, whether it's pushing or forcing or controlling or whatever it is, but when you fall into those patterns, and your ego takes over again, you're not healing. And so this is the most important part. It's not about go out and find the perfect person. No, go out and find who you find. And do the work 
in that relationship to be the most empowered, the most honored version of yourself in whatever situation you find yourself in. And as you do that, you level up, you grow into a new paradigm of experience. And then from that new paradigm, you attract and are attracted to different kinds of people. You see, it's within that new paradigm that you have the opportunity to create a more healthier relationship. But if you constantly fall into your old patterns every time you get into a relationship with someone, then you're not, you're not elevating yourself. You're not leveling up. You're not accessing those new paradigms. You're just repeating the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And, and I see this with, you know, I saw it in myself to a degree in my journey. And I, I see it with people when they come to me for coaching. And, and it's like, this is what happens is people feel like I'm just hopeless and I'm just completely defeated because I've been trying for years and years and years and years to, I've been trying for years and years and years and years to find the, the kind of partner I want to be with, to find the kind of relationship I want to be with. And I just get devastated every time. And the only thing I attract are these toxic jerks who treat me like garbage. And, and what I say is, the reason that that's your experience, the reason that, that, you're, that you're experiencing that over and over and over again is because you're not leveling up in each of these relationships. You're repeating the same patterns in each of, each of these relationships, which means you continue to attract and be attracted to the same things every time. And so you get more and more of the same results. And yes, you do that for 40 years, you do that for 50 years, it's going to feel pretty hopeless. And when some, someone like me comes and tells you that, you know what, actually it is possible to have a, a loving relationship where you're deeply committed to each other and you honor each other in a very deep way and you love each other and, and you commit to each other. When someone like me tells you that's possible, you're going to think I'm full of it because you've had 40, 50 years of life experience that tells you it's not possible. And what I want to say is, you know, maybe some of you have been doing this for 40, 50 years and, and even still it's not hopeless, but you've got to start now and you've got to start really whatever relationship shows up in your space, whoever's there, whoever you have the opportunity to work with, you've got to work with that experience and not make it about let me hang on to this person because I want love and I'm running out of time and I, and I need to really find my person already. No, it can't be about that. It's got to be about honoring myself within this relationship, living my truth within this relationship. Yes, maybe often living my truth causes me to lose someone. But my friends, this is the lesson. The lesson is to love yourself more than you love anyone else. The lesson is to honor yourself above all other things, above all other desires. And the more consistently 
You create that within yourself, within every interaction, every experience, every person you date, every relationship you get involved in. The more you consistently hold that line, the more you have the potential for a healthy and loving partnership to show up for you. Because once again, you are leveling up with each experience. Each experience is leading you into a new paradigm. And within each new paradigm, within each new view of yourself and the world and other people, the more you attract different kinds of people and the more you are attracted to different kinds of people. So I really want everyone to just let that sink in. Is that life is life is very benevolent, even when it beats you over the head with a two by four. And I know like this is tough because there's we are so inclined to want to feel like victims when we're hurt. And I get it, and I've done it, and I do it sometimes. But you're not a victim. And this is, this is going to push the boundaries for some of you, and, and I get it. And this is a tough concept to really understand. But you're not a victim. Everything that has ever happened in your life has come into your life for your healing. But it's your choice whether you are going to accept the opportunity to heal or whether you're going to dig your heels in about it and keep the idea that you were a victim. Keep the idea that it happened to you rather than it happened for you. And the choice is yours. So the question really is, do you want to level up into a new paradigm of experience Or do you want to keep repeating the same patterns? And the choice is yours. But I promise you, the opportunity is always there. It doesn't matter what it was. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter if it was when you were a little kid, when you were an adult, or if it's happening now in your life. The only thing that matters is, are you living with the kind of consciousness that can learn from these experiences? Or are you fighting to perpetuate the same patterns of the past? So that's, uh, that's the lesson for today. And, you know, it's a powerful one. And, and it's a tough one. Because I get it. We've been through some awful stuff. It, it's, it, it, and there's, there's a certain reality that we live in a harsh world. I don't think that's the ultimate reality. I think the world is what you make it. I think that when you embody a consistently high vibrational state, yeah, you might turn on the news and you might see that horrible things are happening in the world. But you also, when you look around your life, you'll see that you're surrounded by great people. You'll see that you're surrounded by beautiful things. You'll see that more and more as time goes on, your life starts to reflect more and more of the kind of world you want to live in. And there is the certain harsh reality that we have to deal with too. 
right? There, there is that certain harsh reality that we have to deal with. And what I want to say is that harsh reality, it's like uh, Ram Dass said this, it's like it's grist for the mill, right? That harsh reality, when we are confronted with that harsh reality, what it's doing is it's driving us inside of ourselves to access more of ourselves, to bring through more of ourselves, to, to empower ourselves in a greater way. We could actually say that's what it's for. That's the only thing it's for. In a, in a large context, we could say that we're these beautiful beings of light that are born into this dark, cold world to give us the opportunity to choose if we want to be the light within this cold world or if we want to become like the world itself. And if you become like the world, then the harsh reality becomes your reality. And if you choose to be the light within this cold world, then more and more and more you will create more light around you. And I mean, just, you know, I'll say this, like this is what I've done in my life. Uh, I mean, 13 years old, I was addicted to drugs and living a, a really toxic life, toxic family life, toxic friends life. To, you know, I mean, just, you know, my, my teenage years and, and, and even my, my younger 20s and all of that were pretty toxic, were pretty dark. I was, the harsh reality was my reality. And as I began to make new choices about the kind of life I wanted to have and the kind of life I wanted to live, I started to find myself in new environments with new kinds of people. I started to find myself in communities of incredible loving people. I started to find myself having incredible support in my life. My dating relationships went from toxic and nasty people to decent people who were good people but maybe weren't a great fit to ultimately finding the love of my life. And you know, now I've, I've created a, a career where I share the light. Like this is what I do with my life now. I share the light that I've found for myself. And I'm not special. Like I really want everyone to hear that. I'm not special. I'm just living the human journey and making conscious choices. And, and living the human journey and making conscious choices has led me to this place. And it works for everyone. Okay, so that's the message for today. And, and again, I know it's a big one. And I know it, it can be a lot to really let that sink in. But I just want you to sit with that. And I want you to start to see how every experience of your life has not happened to you, but has happened for you. And if you can start extracting those lessons, you can create any kind of life you want. There really is no limit. Okay, so I want to open up for a few questions. I've seen some questions come in the chat, and uh, I'm just going to take a look here and, and uh, find one or two to start with. So th this question, um, Isan12345 asks, can a covert narcissist change? And then I, I'm just going to scroll down here, and uh, there was a second part to your question. You said, if a covert narcissist cries alone when you leave them, do they love you? If they tell they want to change, can you believe them? Now, first thing I want to say is 
why are you calling this person a narcissist? And if you want, you can drop your answer in the chat, but is this someone who has been diagnosed as a narcissist? Like, like where is, where is this label coming from? Because, you know, often th that's a label that just gets thrown around a lot. And yes, there are definitely people who have narcissistic tendencies, but it could be argued that a lot of people have narcissist, narcissistic tendencies, right? And I think um, we, we live in a narcissistic society, like our, our society promotes narcissism. It's all about ego elevation, right? Our, our society is constantly elevating um, our own and each other's egos, and it's something that's, that's very much perpetuated. And so lots and lots of people have narcissistic tendencies. And I find that, you know, I've shared, like there's one person in my past that I would definitely put in that category of a narcissist. Like I definitely like feel like that was a human being who showed up completely different from everyone else I dated. Whereas everyone else had a certain degree of like genuine humanness to them. This person didn't seem to have that. It was, it was like kind of any, any ability to authentically connect or, or have a, a genuine, authentic human connection, that opportunity wasn't really there with that person. And that's why I say that, you know, of all the people I've ever dated, like she was somebody that I, I feel strongly was what I would consider a legit narcissist. But I find, you know, that's not something that I said when I was dating her or when we were involved. I wasn't sitting around going, oh yeah, my girlfriend's a narcissist. Like, no, that, that, was, that didn't even occur to me till many years later when I looked back at it and, and saw that, saw that like, okay, yeah, I think based on what I've learned and understood, I do think that person was a narcissist, right? And the reason I'm saying this is because I don't think it's particularly powerful when you're in a relationship with someone or when you're involved with someone to label them as a narcissist. I think what's powerful is to look at what they bring to the table and look at if they are willing and able to honor you. Look at if they are willing and able to honor the agreements you make. To when you make requests of them, when you try to work on your relationship, do they respect that? Do they, do they support that? Do they engage with you on that? Right? And, and to really decide, it doesn't matter if this person's a narcissist or not. But what, what matters is that they're either available for the kind of relationship you want or they aren't. And I think the narcissist label is a way of distracting ourselves from just looking at the simple fact of, of how this relationship is. Right? So, you, you know, when you call someone a narcissist, there's a certain superiority that comes in that by defining them, by saying who they are. There's a certain ego boost that you get from defining that person that way. And, and I don't think that helps you. I don't think that helps anyone. I think it actually makes it more difficult to navigate the relationship when you look at it from that perspective. So I know you're calling this person a covert narcissist and you're asking if can they change. And you know, it doesn't matter if they're a narcissist or not. And it doesn't matter if they can change or not. What matters is who are they now? And the question is, uh, tying it into the topic that we've been discussing today, are you allowing yourself to learn the lessons that are being offered to you in this experience? Or are you hanging on, hoping that they're going to change? 
hoping that things are going to get better, hoping that like, Okay, so I'm reading your comment now. You say, I've seen specific patterns in him. I've experienced the same. You said, okay, great. But again, I want you to get the point that I'm talking about here because it doesn't matter if he's a narcissist or not. My question to you is, can you have the kind of relationship you want to have with him? Is he honoring you? When you make requests of him, does he honor those requests? When you make agreements with him, does he keep those agreements? When you, when you ask for a certain level of respect or a certain level of treatment in the relationship, is he able to do that? And this is a very simple yes or no here. And you calling him a covert narcissist is not helping you figure this out. It's making it more confusing for you. So what, I, what I'm really getting at here is don't worry about that. Deal with the relationship as it is and ask yourself, what is the lesson that this relationship is offering me? Like, I want you to recognize right now that you are in a situation where life is giving you an experience to level up. Life is giving you an opportunity to level yourself up right now, to create a new paradigm of reality for yourself, to from this moment forward, to attract and be attracted to new kinds of people. Like all of this is available to you right now. So are you willing to learn the lesson? And, and I'm going to say just based on your comments, you know, when he's crying and screaming and promising to change and all of this stuff, well, that tells me the answer is no. So I have a lot of compassion for you. And I know this, I know this situation must be incredibly challenging for you right now. And like, and I've been there, like, trust me, I have been where you are. Okay. But, but like you said, I shared about my ex and, and how it was like almost impossible to have a genuine, authentic human connection with her. And you said, well, you see the same in this person. Awesome. So if this person is somebody that you feel it's impossible to have a genuine human connection with them, then what are you waiting around for? Like, even if they could change, are you going to put your life on hold sitting around and waiting for them to change? Are you just going to sit around and accept horrible treatment for yourself while you're waiting for this person to change? Or are you going to face up to the relationship as it is and choose to honor yourself in the best way you can? Like that is, that is the opportunity for you right now. And if you choose to cling to this person, to hope that they'll change, to accept horrible treatment and accept, you know, one day they're all over you and it's all love and sunshine and rainbows. And the next day they're a toxic nightmare. And you have to constantly live in the uncertainty of not knowing which version of them you're going to get. And then they push you to the point of wanting to leave. And then they get down on their knees and cry and beg you to stay. And then you decide to stay. And then the cycle repeats all over again. Like, don't you deserve better than that? Would be my question. And if the answer is yes, then going back to what I've said already today, are you going to choose to honor that yes in, in, to such a degree that I'm going to make it a reality for me, not like a concept, not like, well, theoretically, I deserve better. In theory, I deserve better, but I'm still going to try to see if I can make this work somehow. Or are you just going to get it? Like, no, I deserve better. And are you going to choose 
to honor yourself within this experience. And if you do that, you will level up. But if you find reasons and justifications to hang on, then you're not going to level up. You're going to repeat the same patterns over again. And, and I'm going to tell you, like, you know, this relationship probably will end at some point. It sounds pretty toxic based on what you're saying. Probably is not going to last forever. Probably will end at some point. But the question is, when this relationship ends, will you have raised your value enough to be able to find something different in the future? Or will you have dug into this to such a degree that you've solidified every limiting idea that you have about yourself, every feeling of unworthiness, every doubt, every way of diminishing yourself? Will you have dug in with that to such a degree that when this relationship is over, you go create the same thing again with a new person? And you just have to start the whole cycle over again. Like, this is not an accident. It is not an accident that you're in this relationship. It, it is not an accident that you're with this person. It is not an accident that you're being treated this way. I promise you, you are in this relationship with this person being treated this way right now because it is somehow reflective of what you've experienced in your past. There are feelings and impressions and things that are said, being said and done here that are familiar to you. Even if they're painful, to a degree they're comfortable for you. Because for whatever reason, and, and the reasons could be many, it could be all different kinds of things, but it's reflective of your past. And this relationship is showing up in your life right now as a reflection of your past. And the opportunity is to create a new future. So the choice you have is to dig in with the familiar patterns of the past and allow this to continue or to make a new choice for yourself to elevate your worth, elevate your value and move out of this relationship ready to create something new the next time around. To attract and be attracted to different kinds of people and therefore having the possibility of a different kind of relationship. So lots of love to you. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I, mean, I wouldn't even pretend to deny that for a second. And I know what you're feeling right now must just be immensely painful. And I wouldn't even deny that for a second. And within this hardship and within this suffering and within this pain is your opportunity to decide who you are and what you're worth. And I hope you make a choice that serves you. So sending love, sending love. I know that's, I know it's incredibly difficult and I'm with you. So sending love to you and thank you for the question. Um, this question is from Smile at Fear. If parents have been emotionally unavailable, which made you feel worthless, Abandoned, created a void of loneliness which needed their love. How to fill that void now? Ooh, amazing question. Amazing question, and thank you, and thank you. Um, okay. So this is, 
This is all of our story, by the way, in one way or another. And some of us, you know, it's funny in, in inspired love, um, which is my program for single women. Um, we have a, uh, we have a, a, a session that we do where we go through the wounded parent archetypes and we talk about all the different, um, basically the different energetic archetypes that are, that our parents have been wounded in some way. And then because of their wounds, we end up being wounded. And in the program, when we go through this, it's so funny because there are always some people in the program that think, well, I had an amazing childhood. I had great parents. I don't have any trauma. I don't have any problems. And then when we go through these archetypes, every single person goes, oh my God, I never even realized it. And, you know, I love my dad and he was a good guy, but you know what? Yeah. He embodied some of these archetypes or, you know, I love my mom and she was a good person and she tried hard, but she, she definitely embodied some of these archetypes. So this is all of our story here, right? We all, and in varying degrees, right? Some of us were raised by parents who were addicted to drugs, who were maybe, I mean, you know, doing all kinds of horrible things in their life. And, and we definitely maybe got worse impressions if we grew up in that kind of environment versus uh, some of us had parents who were stable and we had a pretty stable and secure household. And, you know, our, if we, if we grew up in a stable and relatively loving environment, we still have wounds and our parents were still wounded and they still pass those wounds on to us, but maybe to a lesser degree than if we raised up, if, you know, if we grew up in, in an environment in, in, you know, in a really ghetto area where, you know, our parents were maybe hooked on drugs or, or had certain habits and things that were very destructive. So, this is all of our story, but in varying degrees. Some of us have trauma that's relatively easy to work through. Some of us have traumas that are very, very difficult to work through. And we're all going to find ourselves somewhere on that spectrum. But the question is, if, if your parents' wounds created a, a void of loneliness, which needed their love, how to fill that void now? Which is a beautiful question. And... I want to say, actually, the best way to fill that void is to do what I've been talking about today, is to learn these lessons and level up. Like, you've got to understand that if you're in, if you're in some kind of relationship that's anywhere from highly toxic to mildly unfulfilling, right? Anywhere on that spectrum, highly toxic to mildly unfulfilling, there is an opportunity for you to recognize what you deserve if you're living in a relationship that's somewhere on that spectrum. And when you choose yourself over the relationship that's unfulfilling, you actually are filling that void. Does everybody get that? Like in the moment you make that choice, you are filling that void. Right, going back to what I said with the previous question, is you're only in that relationship because it is somehow reflective of your past. And it doesn't mean that you know they are exactly like your parents were. It doesn't mean that the environment or the surface, the way things look is exactly the same. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is the energetic vibrational experience, the way you feel about it is somehow familiar to you. So they might be very different than your parents were, but 
the things they say and the things they do might trigger you in the same way that your parents did, right? It could be like that. And so the reason you're in this relationship is because it's somehow reflective of your past. And the opportunity in this relationship is to transcend your past. It's to choose for yourself that you deserve more than what you had in the past. It's to choose for yourself that you are worth more, that you want more, that you desire more, that you want to strive for more. And doing that is filling that void. So you talked about it being a void of loneliness. And if I have a void of loneliness inside of me, which by the way, it's not actually inside of you. It exists in your mind. And that's important, right? Because we sometimes feel like it's a truth or a reality about us. It's not. It is being created in our mind. And, and this is a whole other topic. Maybe I'll do a podcast episode on this at some time. But it's actually, it's not even like it was created in my mind a long time ago, and now I'm stuck with it today. It's like I'm creating it brand new every day, right? Or maybe a better word is perpetuating it, right? I created it yesterday. Now I get up, the impressions are still there, and now I'm creating it again today. So there's this void of loneliness that I've created in my mind that causes me to see myself as maybe isolated from other people, causes me to see myself as worth less than other people, causes me to see myself as needy and, and in need of, of a relationship to, a, to a, a degree that's maybe not healthy, right? So, so the, the identity called lonely the, the void of loneliness, as you put it, that exists in my mind, it exists as a way that I see myself and think about myself and, and a way that I relate with other people based on who I believe I am. This void of loneliness is causing me to seek out other people and try to fill that lonely space. Right, So if I'm lonely and then I get a warm body to come lay down in bed next to me, I don't feel so lonely. And maybe they don't really want to be in my bed long term, but they're just there for the night. And that, like long term for me, it's very hurtful to have people just in my bed for the night. But I, I settle for that because at least it, it heals that loneliness for just a moment. It just it resolves that loneliness for just a moment. right? And I don't know if this is your story, but I'm just giving a generic example here. So this is the pattern because I've come to identify as a lonely person, because I view myself as lonely, because I believe that I have these unhealthy needs. I'm willing to subject myself to certain treatment in relationship that is not what I want because it abates that loneliness for a moment. The moment I decide like, like, and I'll just stick with the example I gave earlier. If, I, if I'm inviting people into my bed that don't want to be there long term, but they're just there for the night, and that makes me feel less lonely for a moment, and so I'm subjecting myself to that. The moment I choose for myself that I'm not going to subject myself to that anymore. Like, you know what? From now on, if somebody's going to be in my bed, it's going to be somebody who really wants to be here in a real way, not just somebody who's here for the night. And I choose that I am no longer willing to allow or accept that for myself. What I'm actually doing is I'm breaking down the identity that tells me I'm a lonely person. I hope everyone's getting this. 
Because the moment I decide for myself that I don't need that anymore is the moment I don't see myself as someone who needs it. And now my whole identity has changed. I'm actually becoming a new person now because I'm choosing not to act out in the same behaviors, which means I don't see myself as someone who needs to act out in those behaviors. And now I have some freedom. Now that void is not such a void anymore. Maybe it's just like a little ditch or a little hole, right? But instead of being this endless void of loneliness, it's like, you know what? Yeah, I started kicking those people out of my bed. I started spending some nights in bed alone. And you know what? The first thing I felt when I did that was I felt lonely. And the idea that I was never going to have that person again, or, 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 or let me rephrase that. The idea that I was never going to be able to get that hit of validation again, that instant gratification of, ooh, I got someone in my bed and it makes me feel close to someone for a moment. And, and the fear that I'm not going to be able to get that so easily anymore, that scares me. And it makes me feel more lonely. And in the past, I would have just acted out again, acted out in the same old behavior, done the same old kinds of things that create the same old kind of results. But I'm tired of that. And that hurts me. And I know I deserve to not hurt so much. And so now I'm making a new choice for my life. I'm making a new choice about what I want. And so I'm feeling hopeless or I'm feeling lonely but I'm working through that and I'm learning how to be with myself within my loneliness. I'm learning how to self-soothe rather than reaching out to another warm body to come keep me company. I'm learning to be with myself in the experience. And every step of this is making that void a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller. And now it's not such a huge void anymore. I've learned to fill that void. And in the filling of that void, what I've done is I've leveled up. I've become, I've, I've entered a new paradigm of my life. I've started to be attracted to different people. I've started to attract different people into my life. So now when I get involved with someone, there's not such a strong likelihood that it's going to be somebody who activates that loneliness in me in the same way. So the way to fill that void, to make it really simple, is to be relentless about honoring yourself. It's to be relentless about honoring yourself. In every situation, in every experience. Look, I can't, I can't tell you how many more situationships you're going to need to have before you meet the right person. I can't tell you how many narcissists you're going to end up with that are going to challenge you to really honor yourself. Like I, I can't tell you what lessons you're going to need or how many or when they're going to happen or how they're going to happen. What I can promise you is this. If you go into each of these experiences consciously and you are relentless about honoring yourself, and you level up in every single experience, 
You will not repeat the same patterns over and over and over again. I promise you, you will not. Something fundamentally inside of you will change that will not allow you to repeat those patterns again. And as you level up in each new experience, the kinds of relationships you attract will become better and better. They will become healthier and healthier. They will become more loving and more loving until you meet someone where the compatibility is there and you go, you know what? I think this is what I've been looking for. I think this is the quality of relationship that I've been looking for. That's the journey. I've talked about this many times. This is the journey to love. This is the way it works. You know, nobody comes out of the gate and just falls in love. Like I remember talking to a guy, he met his, he met his now wife. They've been married like 50 years or something crazy, but he met his now wife. He was like 17 and she was like 14 and he was working in her parents' store. He was like a clerk in the store that her parents owned. And so they were, they were basically kids and they met as kids and they ended up dating and getting married at a very young age and they, and they've spent their whole lives together. They've never been with anyone else. And some people go like, Oh my God, that's the dream. That's the dream. Like, wow. Like it would, if, if I could have just found that when I was young and just had all these years with my person, that would be amazing. Well, you know, it's not exactly what you might think because I talked to him about it. We had a very conscious conversation and he told me that they had to work through all the same stuff that we all do. And they almost got divorced and they, because, because they got together at such a young age and they both had their traumas and they both had their things and they didn't know how to be in a relationship in a healthy way. And they didn't have the opportunity to experience and learn their relationship had a lot of very toxic dynamics in it for a lot of years. And yeah, they, they, they didn't choose to break up over it. I guess they both valued the relationship enough. They genuinely cared about each other enough that they didn't choose to break up over it, but they almost did many times. And they had to do a lot of work on themselves to reframe their relationship, to be able to have it be successful and loving. And what I want everyone to get is like, it doesn't matter if you met the love of your life when you were 17 years old, you still have to do this work. And if you don't, you're going to be in a miserable relationship. It's just, this is like relationships are about growth. Relationships are about healing. And when we don't use them for that, when we try to just use them to meet all our needs and make us happily ever after we suffer because that's not what they're for. Yes. Like, I am so in love with my wife and we have such an amazing relationship and we have so much fun together and we, we have such a great life and there are so many things that are so, so great about it. But we've also done a lot of freaking work and we continue to do a lot of work. Like, I mean, I'll just share this. Like we were talking for three hours last night, having a really intense conversation about some things that came up that were really uncomfortable for both of us. And like at the end of the night, I was pissed off that that's how we spent our whole night when we could have been relaxing and watching a show and, and, you know, just enjoying our company and being good together. And I was pissed off that we had to spend the night that way, but that's just how we are. When something comes up, we work with it and it's only our willingness to do that 
and to grow and heal together in that way that allows us to have the amazing relationship we do. And if we were brushing things under the rug and if we were just ignoring it, like, no, let's go have a good time. Let's just, let's have sex and let's go on vacations and let's go out to dinner and let's just drink and let's just have fun and just have a good time. And if our relationship was about that, what would be happening under the surface is we would be building up resentment. We would be building up judgment and it would seep into our relationship. And over time, we would build up walls against each other. Because that's, that's what the ego does. That's how the ego operates. And if the ego is all about like, no, don't deal with the difficult stuff. Just go have a good time. Brush it under the rug. Go out to dinner. Go on vacation. Go have sex. Right? That's what makeup sex is all about, right? Let's just, that's not the only thing it's about, okay? There, there, there can be some genuine makeup sex. But a lot of times it's like, we're having a fight. It's uncomfortable. Let's not deal with it. Let's just brush it under the rug, go have sex so we both feel good and we feel like we're in love again. And then that same thing that never got dealt with comes up again in the relationship. Like there, there is no avoiding this. You either grow through your relationships or you repeat the patterns of the past and you suffer in your relationships. Those are the only, those are the only options. And I think it's a certain, it's a certain maturity to, to come to accept that about relationships and to start to really start to really engage in your relationships that way because so many of us are just waiting for someone to come and make everything in our life better. And, you know, when my person gets here, we'll live happily ever after and we'll meet each other's needs and we'll love each other and we'll validate each other and we'll be so happy and I'll finally have someone to do all the things I want to do with. And that that's true, right? Like, I, I don't want to say that's not true, but that's not all there is to it. Like, yes, you get to have all of that. And those things are true. And, and when you experience it, you're going to love it. Some of you might be experiencing it now. Enjoy it. Soak it up. It's amazing. It's, it's one of the best things in life. But recognize that you only get there by doing the work. This isn't Hollywood. This isn't you meet someone on a train, fall in love at first sight, and live happily ever after. That's what happens in the movies. It's not what happens in real life. And I'm not saying this to bum you out. <laughs> and I might be bumming some of you out. If so, sorry about that. But I'm not saying this to bum you out. I'm saying this to inspire you. I'm saying this to say you can have everything you want in life and love. It's all available to you. But it requires you to do the work. It really does. And I just saw a question come in. Uh, Heba, questions from Heba. She says, why is living on earth this hard? Or why is, why is being, being on earth this hard? And I, I, I just, I love, I love the question. And I, I want to I speak into it here at the end because I think it's a, a great way to sum all of this up. Life on earth is this hard because it's what it's for. We didn't come here to just live happily ever after. If, if that was the case, we could have stayed wherever we were before we came here. That's where, that's where happily ever after exists, 
right? In the spirit realms and, and whatever that is. Well, like, I guess we'll remember it when we get back there. That's where happily ever after is. We came here to experience an evolution in our being. We came here to, I, I mean, it's, there's a little bit of a paradox here. Because if you think, you know, we, we are spirit, we come from spirit, we are the all. We have everything already. And then we come into this experience where we, where we limit ourselves, where we, we are no longer the all, we are no longer the everything. We are now limited. And, and within this limited experience where we experience fear and doubt and suffering and unworthiness and all of this, the opportunity is to experience the allness within us, within this limited being. And so life is inherently a challenging environment because it's always challenging us to be more of ourselves, to bring through more of that allness to recognize more deeply that everything I'm seeking actually exists within me. And when I want something in my life, it doesn't show up as something outside of myself that I get and then, and then I have it. It shows up as a reflection of what's inside. And that is the, that is the life journey. That is the human journey. That is what we're doing here. And so, yeah, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. That's also what makes it beautiful. If it was easy, there would be no beauty in the world. If everybody had an amazing relationship that was deep and loving and passionate, there would be nothing to strive for. There would be no value in creating one because it would just be the way it is. And, and here we experience a limitation so we can have the experience of transcending that limitation and growing into something bigger. And that's what makes life beautiful. That's what makes life worth living. You know, this, this feeling that I should just have everything I want and I should be happy all the time and it should be easy is one, it's a completely egoic idea that has no basis in, in the way life really is. But two, it, it dishonors the beautiful journey that life is. And I hope as I'm speaking today that everybody can get a glimpse of that. Everybody can get a glimpse of this beautiful, powerful journey that we're all on to transcend our limitations, to, to express and experience more of ourselves, to find the love inside of us and express it more completely and more fully. Like that's what it's all about. That's what makes it what it is. So beautiful question, beautiful question and sending love. Um, yeah, sending love to all of you. It's just, it's, it's crazy, right? Isn't it? It's just a crazy, crazy journey. And it's an amazing journey when you really let yourself live the journey. So, so much love to everybody. Thank you for being with me today. Um, to those of you who are live with me on Instagram, uh, thank you so much for joining me live. To those of you who hear the podcast uh, later on this week, thank you to those of you who will hear this on the podcast and sending so much love to all of you, wherever you are, whatever challenging situation you might be confronting, whatever fears you might have, whatever 
whatever it might be. And I, and I know the forms are, are incredible and there's, there's all kinds of stuff, but I just sending love to you wherever you are and recognize that, you know, this challenge that you're facing right now is your opportunity to level up. It is your opportunity to become more of yourself, to embody more greatness. So, so much love, so much gratitude, um, love and blessings to everybody. And uh, we'll see you back next week. All right. Lots of love, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. 